0: Well, thanks, everyone, again, for, for joining us. Uh, I trust that you all got a copy of your book. Um, if you didn't get one, that, that's fine. You won't necessarily uh, have to read it to, to follow along. I'll kind of explain the book and put everything into some context here this evening. Discernment of Spirits, an Nation Guide for Everyday Living. Just to kind of put some things in, into context here as we begin, I know that is a really common trend, right, in our spiritual lives, to have this kind of up and down at times our spiritual lives can feel kind of like a roller coaster so on the one hand we can have these these moments of joy a joy-filled heart in our relationship with God and then it seems like the next moment all of a sudden that joy has kind of decreased on the one hand we can have this kind of happy mood in our spiritual life and our relationship with God and then it seems like the next moment there's a lot of discouragement about spiritual progress like what's, what's going on here right or one moment there can be great anxiety, and then the next moment there's some delight or some uplift of the heart. And it can go back and forth. What I just described are all experiences of the human heart in our relationship with God. Right? That's very, very common. So if what I just described rings true for you in a certain degree, that's, that's okay. It's a very common trend in the spiritual life. The basic summary to introduce this book tonight is this, there are times that we have great energy and a great desire for God and the things of God, and then there are times when that energy and that desire for God and the things of God at times disappears. So what St. Ignatius of Loyola, and I'll introduce him here in a moment, offers us is he found very practical language to help explain the movements of the heart, this joy and lack of joy, this anxiety and then this peace. And he found practical language that we can very easily access in order to try to understand what's going on there, but more importantly, how to respond. So when I slip into a place where I feel far from God or I feel discouraged in my relationship with God, how do I respond to that? Like, what are some practical ways I can respond and not let that somehow be a shadow over my head for days or weeks, months or years? All right? So the basic question that we're going to go back again and again to, both tonight and for the next five weeks, is this. The basic question would be this. Is this movement of my heart... Is what I'm experiencing in my heart, is this of God or is this not of God? Right? Because the human heart experiences a lot of things. And the question we're going to come back to again and again is, is this movement I'm experiencing in my heart and my soul, is this of God or not? And that question is vitally important. And we'll learn how to respond to that question and grow in an awareness of, of, of figuring that out. Now, I'm going to use a few terms tonight that you're going to hear a lot. Uh, One of those terms you've already heard a few times, when I say movement, okay, what I mean by movement is some stirring in the heart that's either a thought, a feeling, or a desire, right? So these three words can very easily be used to describe the movements of the soul, the movements of the heart, the, the heart thinks or it has thoughts. The heart certainly feels, right? This is where we feel emotions, where we feel um, different different affects, you could say. And this is where we feel desires, right? Where we feel certain desires. So when I say movement, I want us to think of a thought, feeling, and desire, all right? And this will prep us for some very good reading here during this Lenten season, all right? Now, if you have a book handy, I just want you to look at the very front cover you're going to see two words on there that you're used to in the title, but I want to make sure we clarify what we mean by both these words. The two main words in the title would be discernment and spirit. All right. Now, in our kind of common Catholic way of talking, when we use the word discernment, we usually mean a young man, Discerning the priesthood, a young man discerning whether to go to seminary, a young lady discerning a vocation to the religious life, somebody discerning a vocation to the diaconate, somebody discerning, am I going to marry this person or not marry this person, right? So we use it in a very specific way. We got to think of discernment in a bit broader sense than just kind of the vocational type of of discernment, okay? So discernment, and you could probably give me a definition that would be very close to to this definition, would simply be the process of distinguishing one thing from another, right? So when we're discerning something, all we're doing is we're distinguishing this from that. So when you go back to that question, is this movement in my heart of God or not, what eventually we're going to be doing is is this feeling that I'm buying into, that I'm giving credibility to, is this feeling, thought, or desire, this movement, is it of God or not of God, right? So this distinguishing back and forth, all right? Now, when I say spirit, or when when the author here uses spirit, we're talking about spiritual realities, right? So we're talking about the joys that are experienced in the spiritual life, maybe at times sadness, hope, fear, peace, anxiety, a whole different set of things. But the ultimate goal of discernment of spirits, everyone, would be this, would be identifying what's coming from God and accepting that and identifying what's not coming from God and rejecting that. And I know this might sound a little bit like, whoa, okay. This book provides lots and lots of really practical examples of what this looks like for moms and dads, husbands and wives, bosses and employees, priests, married people, kids. And so we're going to look at a lot of examples in daily life of of what this is talking about. But what we need to do tonight first is kind of lay the framework um, so then we can apply some of these things just to our daily lives and our daily spiritual lives. But once I, once again, the goal of discernment of spirits would be to identify what movements are from God, to accept them, what movements are not from God, and to reject them. All right, so that's just kind of a, a, a brief intro. Uh, most of you probably have some familiarity with the name Ignatius of Loyola. There's two St. Ignatiuses. One is in the early church, St. Ignatius of Antioch an early church father that, that was a martyr. But we're not talking about him, we're talking about St. Ignatius of Loyola. As you probably know, he's the founder of the Jesuits, right? So a religious order. And sometimes we're like, so are like, what religious order? So Benedictines, Dominicans, Franciscans, and Jesuits. That Those are just some examples of a religious order. Are they Catholic? Yes, right? Religious orders, of course, Catholic, but I always like to, to cover all the bases. So he is the eventual founder of, of the religious order, the Jesuits, the Society of Jesus. So if you ever see a priest's name, and behind his name are two letters, SJ, that means Society of Jesus. Um, That just means they're a Jesuit. They belong to the order that St. Ignatius of Loyola founded about 500 years ago. Um, So Dominic named his order the Dominicans, Benedict, the Benedictines, uh, Francis, the Franciscans, uh, Ignatius named it after Jesus rather than the Ignatians, I suppose, right? So, uh, isn't that nice? So, that's Uh So, St. Ignatius of Loyola, born in the year 1491. All right, so just to put it in some historical context, his life, the year before Columbus. Columbus. Was sailing the Ocean Blue in 1492. This was born in 1491. So around the same time that America was discovered by Christopher Columbus, he was born into a very wealthy family. And in his young adult life, he was uh, a military figure. He was very involved in in wartime, very successful general type figure in the military, and very successful, very wealthy family. He was wounded in battle in a place called Pamplona, and he actually got a cannonball to one of his legs that took him out and sent him back home from Pamplona to Loyola. Once he got back to Loyola, he had to convalesce, he had to recover. And this is the point of the story of Ignatius' life that kind of ties into what the purpose of this book is and what the purpose of these talks is. When he was recovering, he liked to read. And He liked to read about wartime success. He liked to read about battles and all this kind of really macho type, uh, you know, 1500 stuff going on in Europe. Um, So war stories and and so on and so forth. While he was convalescing from his leg injury, the only two books in the entire hospital where he was recovering was uh, The Lives of the Saints, a collection of all the lives of the saints, and then a book entitled The Life of Christ. And he thought, great. Where's all the war stuff? (laughs) And he started to read these stories about the saints and about, about Jesus, pretty much for the first time. And then he did something where we're going to talk about here in a second, is he started to notice something going on in his heart while he was reading about the saints. And he compared it to what happened in his heart when he was reading about all these wartime successes, being a hero, being worldly successful. And he noticed when he read about this worldly success in the military, um, and he would daydream for hours about being just this hero, and it would bring great delight and joy to his heart. But then after a while, he quit thinking about it, and then there would be this dryness attached to it, this emptiness. Like, there's got to be more than just being a successful military guy. There's got to be something more than just worldly success. And oftentimes... the the kind of pleasure he had in these thoughts would ultimately lead to this this dryness and this dissatisfaction in his his life and in his heart. And then he compared it to imagining what it would be like to live like St. Francis of Assisi and sell everything. And he would imagine what it would be like to be St. Dominic. And he would think if St. Francis could do what he did for the Lord and St. Dominic could do what he did for the Lord why can't I do that? And he would daydream for hours about imitating the saints. But then he realized after several hours of daydreaming about this, the discontent and dryness that came from this worldly success was actually not there. And there's a continual uplift of heart, this joy-filled spirit. And he started to recognize that thinking about being a saint – would lead to a lasting peace thinking about being just a worldly successful person eventually leaves a person dissatisfied and he started to make a connection that the way we think and the the thoughts that we give credibility to some are actually from God and some are not from God and we can tell what's from God and what's not from God based on the fruits that they bear in our lives let me say that again You can tell what's from God and what's not from God based on the fruits that they bear. So for St. Ignatius to want to be a saint was bearing this great desire for holiness, and he he made this connection. Uh, This is from the autobiography of St. Ignatius himself. So here's here's what he explained uh, about this difference in, in, in noticing When he daydreamed, Uh, yet there was this difference. When he was thinking about the things of the world, he took much delight in them. But afterwards, when he was tired and put them aside, he found that he was dry and discontented. But when he thought of going to Jerusalem barefoot and eating nothing but herbs and undergoing all the other rigors that he saw the saints had endured, not only was he consoled when he had his thoughts, but even after putting them aside, he remained content and happy. This, then, this simple experience becomes the entire basis of what St. Ignatius would teach his, his followers in the order, and eventually he would offer the church as a way of, of understanding the movements of our heart um, and where they're coming from, whether they're coming from God or not. Okay? I mentioned that this was practical. So what, what, what this book essentially is are 14, what Ignatius called rules, 14 rules, one rule per chapter, we're gonna go through the whole thing over the next five weeks. Uh, 14 rules that we can try to apply to our lives to to help understand and to know what to do. What do we do when when we know God's working? What do we do with that thought? And what do we do when we know maybe something else is working? All right, maybe the enemy, or maybe just our fallen human nature. So there's gonna be 14 rules and, but before we get to that, we have to, we have to cover this. There's three essential steps, and I think this is true uh, not just for Ignatius, but I think it's true in a lot of ways, that we can apply starting tonight. That you can walk away, uh, hopefully, tonight and say, okay, I, I, can, I can grasp that and I can apply that to my life of faith. The first step, everyone, is, is being aware the first step, and I'm going to go through each one in, in greater detail, but let me just say a few brief things, and then I'm going to go back to them in a deeper way. So, being aware. I think we need to be aware. Am I feeling sad? Am I feeling anxious? Am I feeling joy? Am I feeling whatever? We, the first step to the spiritual life is simply an awareness of how I'm feeling. An awareness of, of what I'm thinking. An awareness of what I'm desiring. Okay. And then secondly, once a person is aware, we have to try to grow in some understanding of what's going on, right? When did I start feeling this way, right? I felt separated from God for years, okay? That's, your, that's being aware, feeling separated from God. Now, let's go back and try to understand, when did that happen? When my mom died. When my dad died. When I lost a child. When I got divorced. Uh, when I lost my job. When I got my job. When I got accepted. So you, you can kind of see now how a person can be feeling far away from God for a long, long time. But we have to understand and ask the question, so when did that happen? Like when, when specifically? You know, it might not be one moment, but that's what we mean by understanding. What's causing this? When did this start? And thirdly, uh, taking action. Taking action towards these various spiritual movements, all right? And the two actions that we're going to go back to again and again are accepting what's from God and rejecting what's not from God, okay? One of the things I say more than anything else, whether it's counseling or, or trying to help somebody out, is is that thought from God, that, that thought you're having, what you just said, that, that you don't think you're any good. Do you think that thought's from God? Yeah, no, it's not. Then, why, then what, what should you do with it? Well, you should reject it. Why? Because you know it's not from him. Right? And so just training ourselves how to, how to reject those thoughts that don't come from him and to accept those thoughts and desires that, that do come from him. Okay? So this is what we're going to go back to. And so eventually what these 14 rules are going to help us do is to do this. Being aware, trying to understand, and then ultimately, so that we can take action by accepting what comes from God and rejecting what certainly does not come from Him. Now, a few notes on on being aware first. Ignatius would say that, that this whole awareness thing, trying to grow in spiritual awareness, is the gateway to all discernment. So it's vitally important. The question I want to propose is why is it so hard for us to have spiritual awareness? right? I'll be the first to admit it at times. It's very challenging just to be spiritually aware of what's going on, right? I know when I'm hungry, I know when I'm tired, but I'm really not sure what's going on in here. Like, why is that so hard? A couple reasons. The first reason it's so hard to be spiritually aware is because we need instruction in the area of discernment. Many of us me until i was 21 years old and was my second year of seminary and and went through this book i had no instruction in the area of of trying to do this and accepting what's from god and rejecting what's not from him there's no instruction in it so the first reason it's so hard to be spiritual aware is oftentimes we're not instructed in in that task the second would be maybe even broader the effects of human sinfulness right Human sinfulness is real. Being a fallen human being is real. It, we probably encounter it every single day in some way or another, right? We're fallen. And so a second reason it's hard to be aware is we're just fallen human beings in need of redemption, all right? The third would just be the difficulty in disciplining our attention, right? It's so hard for us to pay attention, right? When I'm sitting in front of the church, right, and our ushers, our dear ushers bring in somebody, whoa. who's that who's that you know I mean I could be Jesus could have disappeared and we're looking over to see who the heck just showed up we have you know like and I'm if I was sitting out with you I'd be doing the same thing right but I'm just saying our attention span is like zilch at times right let's be honest and so one of the reasons it's hard to be spiritually aware is it's just hard for us to, to pay attention the fourth, and I don't mean just to be Scrooge here, would be the electronic means filling the quiet spaces of our lives. Right? Uh, it's really hard just to sit. One one fellow once said, Blaise Pascal, that the sole cause of man's unhappiness is his inability to sit quietly in his own room. Right? That we just we can't just sit and in, 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 in be. We have to be scrolling and whatever else. And so I think one of the heart, reasons hard to be just spiritually aware is we've just numbed ourselves. We have numbed ourselves with, with technology and with, with social media. And uh, as a former high school teacher, it's harder and harder and harder. I notice in five years it's becoming more and more difficult to like engage the kids because they just, it's like our brains are being fried, all right? And then finally, the last reason it's so hard to be spiritually aware would be just the increased secularization of our worldview, right? That we see the faith and we see the interior life, we see the spiritual life is not real, right? That any question of faith, any question of looking at the interior life, the spiritual life is seen as like make-believe. It's seen as like, you know, whatever, fantasy land, and we don't, we don't see it as real, and so the more and more secular as our world becomes, the less credibility the spiritual life seems to have. And so we want to keep fighting against that and saying, no, the spiritual life is real. The soul is real. The interior life is real. All those things. All right. So those are just some, some of the uh, reasons it's so hard for us to be aware. Now, when I talk about awareness, when I talk about spiritual awareness, like being spiritually aware, we're talking about something really specific. All right. There's other types of awareness we can have in our lives that's different than spiritual awareness. Okay. So, for example, you could have just uh, awareness of friendships. Like, yeah, this person's my friend. This person's my friend. Great. That's not spiritual awareness. That's awareness that you have a friend. Okay. You could have a, an awareness that I'm hungry or I'm a, I'm tired. That's not spiritual awareness. That's just awareness of like your body. Okay. That's not spiritual awareness. That's uh, a more basic psychological type awareness. all right? Not a bad awareness. we need to be aware of those things, but it's different than the spiritual one. The second level of awareness would be a moral awareness, right? I can look at my life and I can say, how faithful or how unfaithful am I to the gospel? How faithful or how unfaithful am I to, to the teachings of the church? How faithful am I in my actions, my words, my choices, my relationships? Most of us have some level of moral awareness, right? and we're trying to be morally upright people, that's still not spiritual awareness. That's just a moral awareness. Now, is moral awareness good? Yes. And moral awareness, is what I just described, comes from a desire to be in union with God, um, but it's still not spiritual awareness. So what is spiritual awareness? It's being able to recognize what movements in my heart move me toward God and what movements in my heart move me away from God's will. Okay? So let's help name something here for a second. Most of you decided to come to stations of the cross in this talk tonight. Right? So there's some movement in your heart that wanted to come and to meditate on the 14 stations and the fact that Jesus gave up his life for us. Whatever whatever Movement you had to come here was in a sense a spiritual movement and in a sense a spiritual movement that you accepted that you said yes to okay that's spiritual awareness so just the different types but being aware and trying to have that spiritual awareness is is vitally important alright now the second step here is understanding what we're going to try to do in these 14 rules is understand these spiritual movements. It's not about understanding. Let me put it this way. How do I know it's a spiritual movement? Does it, does it affect my faith, hope, and charity? Does it affect my life of faith, my life of hope, and my life of charity? Then we're entering into the realm of, of a spiritual reality that we want to try to understand. Okay? That's different than just understanding being tired or being hungry. And then thirdly, and finally here, is taking action. Once again, accepting what's, what movements are of God and rejecting what's not from God. Okay, So that's a really brief intro to just discernment of spirits. Okay? Now, if you could go to page 7. You'll see here the actual text of the rules. These would be from St. Ignatius himself. This would be his actual writing. And you'll see the 14 rules here, obviously translated into English. He probably wrote in Spanish, but these are in English, thankfully. So that, I'm not going to read through them all, but I just wanted you to see the text of the rules. So you have some some kind of concept of them. So each of the 14 chapters, each of the 14 chapters will focus on one of these 14 rules that you'll see here, okay? It's pretty straightforward. If you go to page 11, you're going to come to the prologue. What is discernment of spirits? This prologue here is basically what I just told you. All the stuff I got was from here. The reason I want to do it this way is because it gets a bit technical. I wanted to try to explain it as best I could. Um, if you want to give it a shot and read that, you're welcome to. Um, you, won't, uh, you won't be missing out too much if you skip that. So if you go ahead then to page 27, just to kind of uh, put some framework into your reading for next week to hopefully make it more, more acceptable. So for next week, you'll see in the, on the guide here that uh, you might have grabbed when you walked in. If, if not, you can grab another one. For each week, we uh, basically gave you three chapters. Uh, for next week, it would be the prologue, if that's something you would like to do again or uh, read on your own, and then rule one and two. So we're only going to be doing two of the rules for next Friday, March 6th. And then the subsequent weeks, we'll be doing three of the rules um, per week. So it works out nicely to end here on um, the last uh, the week before Good Friday. Okay, so it really divides out nicely. It's nice that we're only going to be covering two rules next week because it is they're, they're, once again, they're very foundational. And I want to just point out one thing. So, back to page 27. Uh, Rule 1. When a person moves away from God. So, let me explain this for a second. What Ignatius is doing in the first two rules is trying to explain that the Spirit of God is experienced differently in our souls depending on if our life direction is moving toward God or if our general life direction is moving away from God. Okay, let me say that again. That the spirit of God is a, doesn't work differently, but is experienced differently in the heart depending on our general trajectory in life. Okay? We call that the conscience. So, for example, what, chap, what Rule 1 is going to focus out on is a person who's moving away from God. So this is a person... Who, to use Ignatius' term, is moving from mortal sin to mortal sin. Okay? That's what he says. So this is someone whose life is is spiraling not toward God. The Spirit of God is going to be experienced differently in that person than if we're really striving for holiness, right? The Spirit of God is going to try to convict them to kind of kind of uh, pick at them a little bit. Right? It's going to try to pick up their conscience, and, and, and we'll explain that here. He's going to explain that, okay? So, Rule 1 is talking about how the spiritual life, or how how the Spirit of God is experienced in a person moving away from God, okay? Um, it's, it's really important to read that chapter. And then uh, the next one, if you go to page 38, this would be then for those individuals who are really striving for, for holiness and have. Are not in this general trajectory away from God, uh, moving toward God. And then how is the Spirit of God um, working there? So that's what we'll look at. So for next week, uh, like I mentioned, try to read the prologue, and then the first two rules, uh, the first two chapters.